Chicago. This is your morning routine. Listen, respect my name. Cap and J-Hood. That's right. That's right. We're bad. Uh, uh-uh. Watch the show on Twitch. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Stream the show on the ESPN Chicago app and on FM 100.3 HD2 and on ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now, now, now. David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood. Good morning, everyone. Bring them out. Bring them out. Woo! Welcome in to the Cap and J Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000, and we're streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you. We've got Shane, we got Jay Moore, we got you. For a three-hour ride on the Deal Breakers Thursday, we'll open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. And Cap, it happened, it happened yesterday as we were talking about what the Bears could do to make changes in the front office or the coaching staff. Luke Getze and members of the offensive coaching staff was let go, and then the press conference took place yesterday afternoon. Security right here on ESPN 1000. So I was locked in watching all of it from the first syllable uttered by Ryan Poles to the word salad from Matt Eberflus to Kevin Warren, who's exceptionally polished behind a microphone. Found a lot of it very, very interesting. I think there were some great things that were said. If, if you don't believe that this team is headed in the right direction, The Bears tried to change your mind about that yesterday. And I do think they are headed in the right direction. I truly do believe that. I think that the roster is much better than where it was, not where it has to be. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Uh, For many, they're wildly disappointed that Matt Eberflus is returning. They wanted to see president, GM, coach, quarterback all on the same track. Let the new coach decide what we're doing at quarterback. But I am more convinced than ever, after talking to people in the league and then watching a significant amount of Caleb Williams tape yesterday, and the haters can call the phone, I really, whatever they want. Mm-hmm. You're our customers. Love to chat it up with you. We will probably agree to disagree because after watching Caleb Williams yesterday, I'm more convinced than ever they're taking him at one if he passes his background checks. Well, with Matt Eberflus, let's start there, because Matt Eberflus, if you listen to the soundbite, you, if you missed it, Cap and I will revisit some of the things that Eberflus had to say yesterday. Cap, Matt Eberflus has never sounded more empowered. His soundbites told you that someone had to be the scapegoat for the 7-10 and 10 season, and that was Luke Getze and members of the offensive coaching staff. Mm-hmm. You think about this, right? We kind of felt that way, and I was telling you about this late in the regular season, where Iberflus, either with Waddle and Sylvia or to the press, sound, didn't sound like a guy that was fired. Sound like a guy that would be able to have at least another year. And I think that this mindset of having Iberflus back, it starts with Ryan Poles, but also Kevin Warren's part of that as well. Because um, this morning, late, uh, early this morning, I was listening to Kevin Warren in its entirety. I want to hear from tip to tail everything that he had to say. A lot of it was political, trying to figure out if the new Soldier Field or the new building for the Bears is going to be in Chicago or if it's going to be Arlington Heights. I heard all that talk. But, you know, 
you hear Kevin Warren, and I think this also comes from Ryan Poles as well. There's something about continuity that matters to this organization. They say they want to build it the right way. Did you notice with Kevin Warren, there was a lot of conversation about St. Louis and Minnesota, his yes. previous stops. Yes. You know, back in St. Louis, when we didn't have a good start, we were able to get to the Super Bowl in year three, or Minnesota, the way we went through all of the losing, and we were able to build it the right way, and we got a new stadium, blah, blah, blah. It just seems to me that continuity means a lot. But we go back to what Jason Leisure wrote yesterday. We were talking about it on yesterday's show. Continuity is fine if you have the right guys in place. Matt Eberflus, to me, even this morning on January 11th, does not seem like the right guy to be the head coach for the Chicago Bears. But they're moving forward, Cap, because they feel continuity is important. Okay, fine. Here's something that we didn't get to yesterday that I want to ask you about. Mm -hmm. You would think after four four hours and 15 minutes we would have gotten to this, but we did not because we were on extended yesterday. Mm Mm-hmm. How do, you, how do we compare what's happening now with Eberflus? We know he's coming back. We, we are armed with the knowledge that he's returning. But how do we look at this era versus Trustman and Emery? Because with Trustman and Emery, okay, we saw, and for our younger listeners that don't remember, I mean, these two were freaking frack. These two had a lot in common. That's the kind of reason why they were put together. Emery and Trustman were verbose, had a lot to say without really saying anything. They had, they, those are two guys there that felt like they were the smartest people in the room. Mm-hmm. And they got blown out in two years. I think it was a surprise to, I think, both of us at the time. Like, oh, you're not going to continue on with this? After two years, it was done. So why? And it wasn't like the Bears had this major head coach in mind after Trustman. They just knew they had to get rid of both of those guys immediately. It just wasn't working. But what about this era? When you have these head coaches, and it's a hell of a, uh, the list is getting longer of head coaches that you could have talked to. What's the difference? Eberflus versus Trustman, in which you made a, you could have made a change after year two here. Well, the big difference is, and this is from asking Lance Briggs as he sat in our studio or asking different people on that team that played on those teams for Mark Trustman, he had lost the room. The professionalism was gone. John Fox, as critical as I was of that hiring and still am, John Fox did fix that element of it because he's a pro. Yeah. John Fox came in there and cleaned up the nonsense, and it returned to being an NFL locker room with men in there holding each other accountable but understanding I respect the guy who's coaching the team. And so that is where Tressman and Emery failed. It had jumped the shark so badly that they had to fire both of them after two years. Get out. This thing's a mess. And then in came Fox, and in came Pace. And while they didn't win enough football games and John got fired, eventually Ryan got fired because they just didn't hit on enough personnel moves. So culture and four wins, uh, four extra wins from the season before has got Iberflus back in the job. Apparently, it sounds like. like I, watching him yesterday, I've never seen a man, and again, he's a good person. I know people who have a relationship with him that yeah. played golf with him and said, dude, he's a really good guy, just a good person. If he was your neighbor, you'd be like, yeah, my neighbor's the nicest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Not a great football coach, but he's the nicest guy in the world. I've never seen a man sit up there. Almost like an out of body experience while they're discussing. Did you talk to Jim Harbaugh? Uh, why are you bringing him back? And he's just sitting there. And then when he's asked questions, he just doesn't give you anything of substance. Nothing. Whereas Poles, Poles is really getting good in that part of his job. 
The roster's gotten better, and he sits there. What about Jalen Johnson? Jalen's going nowhere. Like, there's not, <laughs> well, we'll talk to him. No, Jalen's going nowhere. Awesome. Love it. He's our best cornerback. Love that he's going to be here. But after watching <laughs> tape last night, I just, I don't see how you pass on Caleb well, Williams. Let's get back to the joke that you just told, because mm-hmm. I think that's important. The, the joke that you told, like, the out-of-body experience. Yeah, I, I don't think I can remember a time where, hey, you know, Uncle Joe is at the table for dinner. And at the table, out loud, you know, Uncle Joe's a drunk. You know he's the worst in the family, right? He's right. got the jug of three X's. You can't bring him around every other people because Joe's the worst. And ultimately, you got a Mark Potash and others asking questions about other coaching candidates. And, and, and Eberflus sitting right there. Correct. It wasn't the like a polls one-on-one here. Right. In the room. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, so I know Matt's there, but I mean, Jim Harbaugh, did you talk to him about the head coaching job for the Chicago Bears with the Chicago Bears coach sitting right there next to the GM? The one thing I would say if Ryan Poles had asked me, he didn't ask me, but if he had said, hey, what would you make sure you did? One of the first things, if not the very first thing, thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for being here. I look at this as a really good day for the Chicago Bears, and this is my football coach right here. I did not talk to anybody before you ask your questions. I did not go and talk to anyone about this job. That's my guy. Yes. It seems as though almost that uh, Poles was thrown off by the question. Like what? It's just like, you mean the, you mean the coach of Michigan? Yeah, well, I didn't talk to him. Right. <laughs> it's like, but the coach is sitting right there. Uncle Joe is at the table. How can you talk about Uncle Joe while he's still there? Correct. He's, leave, he's, he's breathing and right there at the Correct. table. That's very odd. Correct. But, I mean, but you know what? That's the hard questions that were asked by the great assembled media that cover the Bears every day. Mm-hmm. got to ask the questions because all of these plates are spinning, Cap, all the speculation. Poles knows it, too. But Iberflus, as I mentioned, seemed empowered in the sound bites, especially talking about moving on from Lugetsi. As you guys saw this morning, we made the changes, right? We made some adjustments to the offensive staff, um, and we felt that, you know, when you looked at the growth um, and the development, um, and the improvement it wasn't where it needed to be. And that's why those changes were made. We're looking forward uh, to uh, looking at and talking to and hiring a new offensive coordinator. Uh, that's going to improve our team. You know, that's going to do a great job uh, improving and being aggressive and, and doing the things that it takes to win football games. And we're looking forward to that uh, for sure. I'm glad someone asked this question about offensive identity, Cap, because I've been on this for a while about trying to distinguish trying to understand what Chicago Bears football is. And because I think that matters. Mm-hmm. You have to have an identity. You have to. You, you just don't turn the lights on so it feels like, all right, featuring the Chicago Bears. Yeah, so what are we going to see here? I don't know. Then, I mean, St. Louis was the greatest show on turf. Correct. And you know that the 85 Bears was about defense and fun and just getting after it. So what is this Chicago Bears team? And then the same thing with the identity of the Chicago Bears team. I, offensively, you know, who are you? I think you have to have an identity for sure, um, but you also have to be able to adjust. Um, you know, you have to be able to stand on something. You know, a run of the football is one of them. And I also think that being adjustable and adaptable is another one. You know, um, getting the explosives, which I think, you know, was referred to um, there, is, is obviously how you score points. That's how you score points. And, uh, again, we're going to have to continue to grow that way. Yeah, that sucks. Who are you? 
if you were the head coach of the Bears, Cap, I think that especially if you have to have a game plan in mind, mm-hmm. an identity, who are you? What's your mission statement? Correct. Well, one of them is run the football and then you know, pretty much being uh, adjustable or flexible if you can't run the football. Well, that's no identity. You got to stand for something. We, if it was my team, we come off the bus running in Chicago. You know what the climate's like here? But we also have the ability to stretch the field. We take shots down the field. We will test defenses at every level. And that's, <laughs> I mean, at least, now that in 10 seconds you told me what the Chicago Bears could be. At least there's a plan there. Now, there's no offensive identity that he just gave us right there. It's not like, what, are you going to hide it from the press? When you get on the field, people will know who you are. Mm-hmm. If you're a running team, you're a running team. That's what Lovey Smith would say. He wouldn't hide it. He goes, we come off the bus running. That's what we do. And play, and play great defense and, and also turn the ball over. They make sure that they punch the ball out. That was the Lovey Smith Bears. What about this team? See? Yeah. It, it, you make valid points. It's just. Who are you? Correct. This is going to, for people that love, like we do, to talk about the future and the moves and hot stove football and what trade can we make and who can we draft, you're going to love the next four months. Love. Yeah. For people that are tired of it, it's just its team, man. Stop pushing an agenda. I don't push agendas. I give you my opinion. Yeah. And it's, I've, I said this the other day, and I'm going to double down on it because I asked other people, am I wrong or am I right? Because Black and Abdallah, the two Libertyville boys, were firing on me on Sunday, and I was laughing in the car on the way up to Green Bay. Yeah. They kept playing me saying that Justin is the most divisive athlete in the last 25 years. Through no fault of his own. Let me say that again. Mm-hmm. Through no fault of his own. But if you post something that you think they should move on from him, that they should take Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jane Daniels or whoever, your mentions are... Courtney tweeted it one day. Goodbye to your mentions. Yeah. Because you get called some of the most vile names in the world by all the Justin Fields fans. All of them. It's insane. I've never seen anything like it. That kid did nothing to deserve that. To be put in the middle of all this. That's Black and Abdallah, I don't know what he's talking about. So I asked Olin last night on our show. He said, 100% agree. 100%. I asked Tyler Aki from the afternoon show. Hey, Tyler, give me an opinion. He goes, I heard all that. You're correct. And I asked Waddle. And I asked all these different... Not one of them disagreed with me. But these two think that I'm nuts. I'm not imagining it. Immediately, if you post something... We did a video here at the station. We do a great job on YouTube. You should follow the station YouTube. Yep. We do a great job every day. Eric Ostrowski comes down here with the promotions team and asks us a question, whether it's favorite Christmas cookie, do you go caroling? We did all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Bears are moving on from Justin Fields? Other than one person, was it Yurko? I think Yurko said they're keeping Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. But Waddle and Sylvie and Carm and you and I and Black and Abdallah, all of us are on this video. That's just those guys pushing their agenda. What agenda? All I care about is my favorite football team wins. I don't have an agenda. If Justin's there, he's a great person. Let's go. Let's win. I personally believe you cannot leave Caleb Williams on the board. You cannot pass him. Period. Some thoughts here from Ryan Poles. I guess we're going to keep talking about fields because, yes, I know that it's a polarizing topic, but the bottom line is is that 
even for polls, he was not committal. Here's it's it's interesting to hear polls talk about Jalen Johnson. Like, yeah, he's not going anywhere. But when it comes to the quarterback situation, uh... I have to separate it a little bit. But I absolutely love it. I mean, when you talk about building a team, I want that type of support in our locker room. I want those guys to, when they go take the field, I want them to believe in the player that they have at that quarterback position. I want them to believe into the person to the right and to their left. So I absolutely love that. Um, with any decision, uh, I got to take the emotion out of it and, and, and look at the, the whole whole deal there. Yeah, what about that fifth-year option for Justin Fields? No, like I said, I'm gonna. we got time before we got to do that. So there's a lot of phases there. And, uh, again, we'll, we'll make the best decision. You know you have the number one pick this year. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do with it? We are going to turn every to- every stone to make sure that we are going to make a sound decision for our organization. Um, I did think Justin got better. Um, I think he can lead this team. Um, but at the same time, there's a unique situation where I have to look and our staff has to look at everything. Um, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Yeah, I mean, not committal on Justin Fields. And Correct. so and so. Here, here's the point. Here's the bottom line for me. The bottom line is that I think it's pretty clear that there are Justin Fields fans and then there's some Bears fans. And you can understand, Cap, but there's, at least there's passion. You know, whether there's name calling or being personal, whatever, at least that there is a feeling of passion for the Chicago Bears, which I think we all win with that for our for our listeners, for downloads, uh, for YouTube, for people that consume our Bears content on the home of the Bears. At least there's passion for it. And people feel strongly about number one. They feel strongly about Justin Fields. And you can understand why, because they look at him and say, hey, you know what? Just as much as we praise Connor Bedard with the Blackhawks just being a baby out there and trying to capture the imagination of Chicago sports fans, the same thing with Justin Fields. Still a young guy, but people support him because they want him to succeed. And guess what? We also want him to succeed, but also before Justin Fields was even born, I was a Chicago Bears fan. And what's best for the Bears is what's best for business. That's, that's the thing I look at. So you can understand the, the vitriol and the passion from Bears fans when it comes to Justin Cap. But the, the bottom line is, though, is that even the general manager is not sure. Correct. As you can, as you can hear. So you could, you could take slings and arrows at me. You know, I'm a big boy. I could take it. Yeah. But the point is, though, when it comes to Ryan Poles, he's got to make the decision. Even he is not sure what to do with the number one pick, at least not in front of everybody yet. Yeah, he may know in his heart what he's doing, keeping him or trading him. The thing is, if he comes out and says, look, we're going to do all our homework, but we're probably moving on, he cuts his own legs off in trade talks. Sure. Oh, you don't think he's good enough? All right, I'll give you a fifth-round pick. No, 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 I need a lot more than that. Well, you said he's not good enough. Why should I give you more? I think he can lead this team, he said. That said, there we have a unique opportunity. So I called an AFC coach who I happen to have a relationship with yesterday. said, hey, man. He's like, I got a meeting I'm going into. What do you need? I'm sure I know the question. Justin Fields, I knew it. Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. He said, have you watched the tape? I said, I have. But you're an NFL coach. I'm not. He said, dude, it's not close. Come on. He said, leave the money out of it first and foremost. And you and I have talked about the salary differences. Yeah. He said, come on, just put the tape on. They're not comparable. He said, Justin's a good kid. He's a good football player. He's not that. That's a grand slam if he clicks. You got to develop him. That's on you. You guys have never done that there. He said, but you are resetting your whole offensive staff. You better get the right guys in there that can teach that kid. He said, because if he passes all your background checks 
it's not close. He said, if you guys stick with Justin, you're the only coaching staff in the NFL that would do that. That's what he told me. It's the Cap and J-Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000. We ask you to subscribe, make sure you like, and make sure that you share our podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, you may be listening to the show, but imagine sharing it to another Chicago sports fan. Do that and download the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, uh, Mark Potash was really adamant to try to get his thoughts out about C.J. Stroud, asking the question about C.J. Stroud, because in that draft class, you know, C.J. Stroud really shines through because the Houston Texans are going to the playoffs, and Stroud is the quarterback for that Texans team. So the question to Ryan Poles yesterday, did he misevaluate Stroud? I don't think so at all. I think you have to take him what's best for your team. Um, so when you look at that situation and how it ended up playing out, to have DJ, to have uh, Darnell, to have Stevenson, to have the first overall and the second uh, next year, I feel like that's the best for our organization. Now, again, continuity aside, Cap, you have to do what's best for the Chicago Bears. And if you feel like you want to upgrade at the quarterback position, that's fine. But I'm just telling you before it even starts, if, the, if Justin Fields is traded or no longer part of the Chicago Bears operation, the calls will be flooding in. The social media will be flooding in. How is it that you don't make a change uh, at the head coaching position to try to upgrade that, but yet you're going to try to upgrade the quarterback position with a rookie quarterback? And again, that's still the unknown. No matter what tape that you saw, I always tell you all the time, as a college football fan, Cap, it's hard for me to sometimes evaluate what's next on the next level because I watch so much college football on Saturdays that there are certain guys you watch, you go, that guy's going to be great on Sunday. That guy is going to be great on Sunday. I think Caleb Williams can eventually be that person. Mm-hmm. Not from the jump, but I believe that he can be that person. Usually, as a college football fan, I'm just locked in on what I see on Saturdays as a great college football player. And then there's sometimes you just can't help it and say, boy, when that guy gets to play on Sunday, like a Bowers as a Georgia fan, Waddle was calling for him two years ago. He goes, can, he, can we get him now? No, Tom, you can't get him yet. Two years ago, he said he should be in the NFL. It's certain guys like that. But I, my, whole, my bigger overarching point is, is that just look forward to a lot of people saying, wait a minute, you didn't upgrade the, the head coaching position with all these candidates, and it's bigger and better now with Belichick parting ways with the, uh, with the Patriots and Pete Carroll mm-hmm. no longer with Seattle than all the other candidates we mentioned yesterday. That's going to be a hard pill to swallow for some people. You get rid of Justin, but yet Iberflus is back. I think that to the general public, especially on this show, that many would say, I'd rather have a new head coach than to replace the quarterback. Agreed. That's just, what, that's just facts based on uh, people that we talk to every day. Agreed. And again, let me be clear. Justin is a good player. He's an even better person. He's loved in that room. But Ryan Poles has to separate emotion and attachment and go, okay, which quarterback gives me the better chance to have a, the, the advantage every week? Because there is no dispute that to this moment, we have the fourth best quarterback in the division if Kirk Cousins is back in Minnesota. Sure. There is no metric where you can look. Hope is not a metric. Fandom is not a metric. Kirk Cousins has thrown how many times for 4,000 yards? Jordan Love is markedly better than our guy. Jared Goff is in the playoffs and has taken another team to a Super Bowl. So stop. We have the fourth best coach in the division. Dan Campbell? Dan Campbell's a better football coach. Matt LaFleur? Matt LaFleur's 10-0 against the Bears. He's a better coach. Kevin O'Connell? He's a better coach. So sorry. That's where we're at. 
and we fired our OC, who is the fourth best in the division in that role. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will tell you that when uh, we hear from Kevin Warren and we hear from Ryan Poles regarding the Bears cap, there's this feeling that that the Bears were able to pull the nose up the pl- of the Chicago Bears playing because of how they played in the second half of the season. They feel that that momentum can carry them. And I just say that that Packer loss and that Browns loss tells me that you kind of not necessarily a square one, but you and you did make improvements because you can't deny the three three wins or seven wins. But I will just tell you this: like all I can tell you is that you could tell me how hard that you work and that how obsessed you are of making the Chicago Bears a champion. But it's all about results. I heard Kevin Warren up there for thirty eight minutes talk about how he couldn't sleep the last the previous couple of nights because the Bears lost against the Packers. That he lives downtown, he makes that drive to Lake Forest every single day, thinking about how he can help the Chicago Bears be a champion. That sounds great. I put it on a T shirt, put it on an obvious shirt. But it, all that is eyewash until you actually see the results. They feel three to seven wins is good, and I think that is good. But what's next after that? After that, what, what's, what, what's the next uh, shoe to drop after that? Like, yes, the improvement is there. But then what are you doing at quarterback? Then what are you doing for offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator? This is why this is a, such a big offseason. You're trying to fill not only players on the field, but also in your coaching staff. Whoever the, the offensive coordinator is for Fields or for Caleb Williams, you know how huge this is? It can't just be some faceless, just regular name, Cap. It's, it's got to be someone that's dynamic, that can be able to reimagine this offense more than just running the football, whoever the quarterback is. Correct. I'm just like, it, it's huge. Now that you've drawn a line in the sand, and I know that you've seen your social media like I've seen mine over the last 12 hours, of people pissed off that Iberflus is coming back, saying that the Bears settled with all these coaching candidates, that this is, the, this is what you decide to do. Uh, for the sake of continuity, you brought back your head coach. So you know this has to be a splash hire, this OC, right? Correct. And the quarterback uh, s- scenario, which you're going to be able to come through with, whatever your decision is, that's got to be a splash too. But let me ask you a question. If you were a hot OC, the Bears have already put in a request to talk to Shane Waldron, who's on the market because Pete Carroll got let go in Seattle. We're brunching that name as a head coaching candidate. Correct. Mm-hmm. People really like him. Okay, you're Shane Waldron. You're Eric Bieniemy. Just pick three or four of the hot names. Why are you taking this job? Unless you're going to get to coach Caleb Williams. You get a multi-year deal for multi-millions of dollars to come here. Because you're asking them, hey, why not turn all those other jobs down. Come here and coach a guy that in his first three years hasn't been good enough. By any metric. And the head coach... Going into next year, has two seasons left on his contract. At the end of next year, if you struggle, he's going into his lame duck year. Pretty easy to fire and buy out. And then what happens to you and your family who you moved here and put your kids in school potentially? So you you think, wait a minute, I can go to Washington with a new head coach and a new quarterback, probably Drake May or Jaden Daniels, whoever goes two, or you trade up to one. You get a multi-year deal, and you're on the t- same timeline as your coach. Uh, that looks like a better opportunity. Yes. Or you can go to New England with a new quarterback and a new head coach and a new era in football there. Or you can go with a new head coach and coach Justin Herbert. Well, listen, as an assistant, as a former assistant coach, as you were, you know beggars can't be choosers. Correct. I'll, I'll answer the question now. Uh, it sounds like a job that you would not take. Uh, 
armed with the knowledge that you might be there for a year. It would depend how hot I am as a coordinator. Well, if I'm just begging for, if I'm Luke Getze, part two, yeah. begging for a job, okay, I'll take Chicago. They'll pay me well. I'm there for, I think assistant coaches usually get two-year deals unless you're the top of the top. But if I'm a hot candidate, oh, wow, Shane Waldron's available or this guy's available. Dude, you're going to the best situation where you feel there's stability and a chance to win and then become a head coach. I'll answer the, I'll answer the question for you. You ask why. Because sometimes, Kevin, as, as I just mentioned, beggars can't be choosers. If you're looking for a job to be an OC and some of the other jobs that in which you could possibly be there for two, three, four years, you know, along with the new head coach, if that job's not available, you got to take a job. If you feel like the Chicago Bears is the best opportunity to be able to coach, say, Caleb Williams or Drake May, the quarterback, then you take that job. Eric Bieniemy had to know that Ron Rivera is going to be fired in Washington. But yeah. he took the job anyway. Correct. Now, no one told him. That it wasn't an anchor tied to his ass. He could have stayed in Kansas City. But he got tired of not being able to be in a position to be a head coach. And so he needed to show on his resume, away from Kansas City, I could be successful in Washington. He had to know that... Washington was just okay, but not good enough to be even a playoff team this year. And he took the job anyway. So to answer your question, why would you take the job? Because it's opportunity. It's opportunity. And then yeah, let me give you a point two on this. The second point of this is this whole thing with Eberflus. We keep fe- having that feeling of continuity. Mm-hmm. As you say with the Bulls, it, it's, it's known as the Settlers. Yeah. Bears could win seven games next year with whoever the quarterback is and whoever they bring in. Yeah. You know what? Eberflus won't be fired after year three. And that's why we hear the rumblings and the rumor innuendo about, well, for continuity's sake, there might be an extension. But it sounded like yesterday there was no extension. I don't think the question of you extended him, but what we kept hearing from people covering it yesterday was, nope, he's got two years left. No, there's no extension. Well, the team president's got him as the next Dick Vermeil. Right. You, you heard it. I did. I mean, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you that... Yes, it sounds like a lame duck situation, even for the offensive coordinator that's going to be here, because who knows what the Bears are going to be next year. What I'm saying is, is that if the Bears are seven wins or better, Cap, Mm -hmm. there will be talk of an extension, secret or not, that Iberflus will continue to be here. And again, from the jump, I didn't think that he was the right hire, but I understood that he was a hire that was put in place, I thought, to get over the hump. This was obvious to me as a Bears fan, as obvious as it was to upgrade the White Sox managerial position to get a World Series championship. The Cubs in that situation, Cubs are doing it now. The Cubs are doing it now by trying to get Craig Council saying we can be better than David Ross. As painful as that might be for some Cub fans, that's what the Cubs felt. We can do better than David Ross. It's the same thing with the White Sox. They felt, let's bring our own guy in and Gian. The Blackhawks, the same thing. We love you, Dennis Savard, but we have Joel Quinville in place. We think that we can get over the hump. We feel like we're close. So the Bears could have done the same thing, but for the sake of continuity, they did not. So what I'm saying is, for this new OC, it may not be one year out or two years are out. If the Bears are successful, Iberflus is going to be here for a while. I, I, I honestly believe that because when I hear from Warren talking about his good old days of the Rams and Vikings, I'm like, okay. All right, you're going to try to keep it all together no matter what because they are confident they're not cocky. They're convinced that this Bears team could be able to get to the next level after the seven-win season this year. Okay, show me. Exactly. That's We're going to find out. So after all the news yesterday, where are you uh, with the decision that the Bears made? 
312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. We're talking to you about the Bears. Paul spoke, Warren spoke, Eberflew spoke. So where are you at with the decision that the Bears made? Eberflus stays as the head coach, and they fired the, some of the members of the offensive staff, including Luke Getze. Your thoughts on the Cap and J Hood Morning Show next. Checkmate one six. suppression on target. That's why I see him in my shot. Shot or no shot with Cap and J Hood on ESPN one thousand and the ESPN Chicago app. That's why I see him. Good morning and welcome in to the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood with you. Now time for Shot or No Shot. And it's brought to you by the Levy Club Hawthorne Betting Bars with craft beers, great food. They have a slot machine set up that's awesome and sports betting through points bet. We say good morning to Shay W. Norland. Good morning, boys, on a Thursday, a Deal Breakers Thursday, and a lot of news out of Hallis Hall yesterday, just like nonstop. Yes, and just all throughout the NFL. Shay, we're living in a time right now where we've never seen so much news over the last, you know, 12 to 24 hours. There's been been a lot of stuff. Two best friends are not in the job right now, and Saban and Belichick. Think about it. Side by side, two best friends. Both they're, out. They're both out. Pete Carroll out. And he wants to keep coaching. He's 72. Nick is 72. 71 for Belichick. And he wants to keep coaching. Just, just think about that. Yeah. Just think about that. I mean, it's so much news. I mean, huge news. And, of course, here at home with the Chicago Bears, making their decision, drawing their line in the sand with Eberflus and firing the offensive coordinator and staff on the offensive side. There's a lot of stuff going on. So, Shay, help us out on with Shot or No Shot. Yeah, put our agenda to the side, and let's do Shot or No Shot. I do want to put the agenda to the side. There are some people who are, I think, maybe rightfully angry that the Bears retained Matt Eberflus when there are other big names on the market now. You've got Mike Vrabel. You've got Bill Belichick, potentially Mike Tomlin. Who knows what happens with Pete Carroll if he chooses to remain in an advisory role with the Seahawks or he wants to go somewhere else. I think his line yesterday was, I'm jacked, I'm not tired, we'll see what's next. So who knows what happens there. That change in particular, the Pete Carroll change, opens the door for the Bears to interview current Seahawks coordinators. And they put in a request yesterday. They want Shane Waldron, the current offensive coordinator in Seattle, to come be the offensive coordinator in Chicago, or at least they want to interview him about it. Shot or no shot, Shane Waldron as offensive coordinator would be a terrific hire for Matt Eberflus. Uh, uh, look, I would be disingenuous to the audience. I don't know enough about Shane Waldron. I don't. There's a Waldron parking deck I know more about over near Soldier Field. I don't know enough about him. I did reading on him last night, and I asked somebody that I trust who covers the league, and they said, yeah, he's pretty good. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. Pretty good, kid. So we'll see. I want to know more about him, and then let I trust polls to make the right decision. Yeah, so that'll be a no shot for me, Uh, and here's why. Because of the word terrific. I don't know if he would be or not. Just I'm just being semantical with that because I'm not sure if he'd be a terrific hire. However, um, I think that for a head coaching candidate because he was on my list as we went through it yesterday, Cap, I think that at some point he'll be a head coach someplace because of what he's done as an offensive coordinator. So I'll, I'll say no shot for now, but I would not be surprised if he's on the short list for the Bears. Yeah, and he's got a great 
resume of people he's worked for. Mm-hmm. He was an operations intern in New England for Belichick. Uh, then he went to, let's see, he was at Notre Dame. He was back to the Patriots again, so it tells you they liked him. He worked for the Hartford Colonials in one of those startup leagues, so he's worked at the lowest level. Then he went on to college at UMass. Then the Washington Redskins, the Rams tight end coach, promoted a passing game coordinator, promoted a passing game coordinator and quarterback coach under Sean McVay, who I love. And then he's been in Seattle with Pete Carroll. So he's got a good resume. I need to know more about him. Shay. All right, I want to remove the names of possible coaching upgrades like Jim Harbaugh, Belichick, Vrabel, anyone else who you want to throw in there. Are you are you playing blind resume with this? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm asking you a different question because I just want to like take the – it's a Matt Eberflus question, okay. and I want you to take all the possible upgrades that we were dreaming about out of it. Okay. Matt Eberflus did demonstrate improvement in 2023. The win total went up from three to seven. The defense improved immensely. Despite the debacle at the end against Green Bay, they got much better after acquiring Montez Sweat and really after Matt Eberflus took over the play calling. And the vibe in the locker room seemed immeasurably better than it had been. It even seems like it's still good despite all of the firings that happened. Everybody was supporting each other. Polls talked about it yesterday. Everybody's pulling together. That's difficult to do on a team that started as bad as the Bears did. So shot or no shot, in a vacuum, Matt Eberflus deserved a third year. That's a no shot for me. There was, If you can upgrade, I heard... Take it out. I'm, I said, take the upgrades out. In a vacuum, without the names of Harbaugh or whoever... He deserved a third year. No, because if you're considering changing coaches and bringing in a new play caller, you, I believe you needed to clear the decks. For me, no shot. He he's not. He's the fourth best coach in the division. Period. That's it. But as I told asked you before, does this feel like the Trustman era? And you said no. No, because he, the Trustman era, just asked people who played for him. He lost the room. Guys couldn't stand playing for him. His players like him. Well, then that's a shot then, Cap. Because he because Shea said, we don't know who the coaching candidates are. And saying, okay, no Harbaugh, all these names, Vrabel, everyone else. Okay, so on, on its surface, you went from three wins to seven wins. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if, if by any measure, that's an improvement for the Chicago you Bears. You three of the most historic losses in NFL history. I agree. Your offense was not good enough. I agree. You haven't developed the quarterback. So you're telling me that we're going to put it all on Luke and Andrew Janoco. Get out. You guys are that bad. A year ago, there were people calling our show. I'm concerned about Getsy. We're going to lose him to be a head coach. Six months later, they couldn't wait to fire him. You know that's a scenario that happens mostly in the National Football League, right? Mm-hmm. If you have these three historic losses and you go from three to seven wins, someone something says, well, what was the problem? Where well, our defense was good. What was wrong with the offense? There's your problem. Fire the offensive coordinator. And, and let me just ask. But, but, but understand what I just said. Yeah. That, that is commonplace in the NFL. Agreed. Well, again, without, as, as Shay just laid it out for us, no coaching candidate. It's a curtain. You can't see who's on the other side of the curtain. But three to seven wins, and then you say, well, what was the problem with the football team was the offense. Okay, then fire the offense coordinator. That happens all the time in the NFL. Let me ask you Correct? a question. It does. Okay. But let me ask you a question. Do you think Luke Getze would like to have a $100 million guy added to his offense? Like Montez Sweat was? I think he would. Yeah. Do you think he would like to be able to have a player come in like Jalen Johnson and get another $90 million deal? 
I think he would. Yes. Would he like to have a first-round pick dropped in there at the skill positions? I think he would. Yes. He'd say, oh, sure, Matt. You got all that money put on your defensive side. Whether it's $10 million for Ngakwe or $108 million or whatever he got for Montez Sweat. Where's all my reinforcements? Well, well, Cap, that's the price of poker when you hire a defensive coordinator as your head coach. What about DJ Moore? DJ Moore counts. DJ Moore counts, absolutely. Give me another receiver they've got, not named Cole Komet because he's a tight end. Another wide receiver you go, I want that guy back. They're not bringing Darnell Mooney back. Of course not. But, but Shay, is that not fair, though? Like, like so, you know, it was started off here as kind of like a DC, but yet a CEO. Well... You think he's got any influence in the room as a guy that likes the defensive side of the football? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's why you have it the way it is. That's, how, that's why it's the way it is. And how many times has Poles told us, like, this is a partnership between him and Eberflus? Eberflus can probably walk into that room and go, I want player X, I want player Y. Well, that's why they signed Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. And that might be why you took Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter instead of taking another offensive weapon in the draft. Correct. Uh, Jay Moore. So, Cap, are you saying Eberflus spent more money on the defense to save his job? Yes. Oh! Yeah. yeah. But, oh. but at the same time, though, Mr. I want the guy Who's that's running the, the show up there? Well, well as, as I work with my partner every morning who says that I don't care if it's an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, I just need, we need to be the best CEO of the operation. Well, the best CEO of the operation, Matt Eberflus, was able to bend the arm of Poles to get what he wanted defensively. That would be me. Correct. That would be him. No, but don't, but you tell me you want the best CEO. Clearly, Eberflus is not that guy because he was able to influence Poles to say, yeah, in the off, this offseason before, I need a couple of linebackers here, take care of the back end there. Okay, well, we're going to get DJ Moore on the offense. Okay, that's fine. But I need to make sure my defense is tight. Hmm. Correct. Mm. Again, Matt has qualities. His players play for him. They did not play for Trustman. You asked me to compare them. There is no comparison. Trustman lost the room. When not you a, lose the room, yeah. it's over. Not an offensive guy, not a defensive guy. The best CEO of the operation, right? Yeah. What do you got up there now? He's a, he is a CEO type. I'll give him that. He He's not the devil. I just would have reset everything. He's a CEO of the defense. That's what he is. Yeah, but all his guys play for him. No, I'll give him that. No, no, no. You're missing the point. Point hey. is that you're right. You should, like, you, as you just laid out, there should be balance on both sides of the football, right? As Correct. far as far as talent. Where's all the talent, Cap? Like it usually is with the Bears on the defensive side of the football. Correct. And and who's your head coach? Ultimately, a defensive coordinator. Like who's the best offensive lineman they have? Tevin Jenkins. Who drafted him? Ryan Poles. No. Damn. Who was before that? Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace. Yeah. He drafted him. Yep. So, again, they have not done enough on that offensive line. And that falls at the feet of the GM that I like very much. Lucas Patrick, Dan Feeney, and Doug Kramer. Cody Whitehair. Are you kidding me? Bears, Bears are going to need all that. And they look at the draft. Well, we're taking the best available. We're going to take another lineman. We need someone to replace Ngakwe. And we need some guys in the defensive end. They're going to free the agency. There are guys in yeah. free agency. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? We could really bolster that defensive line again. And then you're going to be left holding the bag offensively again. I promise you they will have a starting center. They will sign a new one. Oh, they'll find someone. They've got to have a clown car of offensive linemen at House Hall. They should have them up there now. They need a new guard. I'm not a huge Nate Davis guy. They need to add a starting guard. They have got to add a starting level center. 
Big time. Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon. Second round, trade back up in there. Find a way to get a second round pick. That's your center. Okay. That's my little draft preview. Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon. Starting center for the Chicago Bears. Still on the Oregon train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, you, yeah. You want the center out of Bama because they made the playoff? <laughs> I, want, I would like to bring in a, a free agent who's been successful in the National Football League. I don't want a rookie center. Now, if he gets one... He better be right. You know how I feel, though. Like Good offensive linemen almost never make free agency because they're so rare. How's yeah. Cincy like in Orlando Brown? Well, a little kid, overpaid. The kid from Miami who got injured, a lot of people believe he'll be ready by opening day. He's the number one center, and it's not close. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the Bears will identify those problems and not try to bolster more on the linebacker core. Yeah, York said yesterday, there will be no linebackers drafted high in this draft by the Bears. <laughs> okay. All right. So, we'll see. Shay. Right, Kevin Warren spoke yesterday after Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles wrapped up their part of the press conference, and he talked a little bit about the way the Bears want to go about their business, including on the football field. Listen to I'm this. I'm a very quiet, uh, impatient person. Uh, I don't boy, uh, uh, voice my impatience, but I'm extremely impatient. I'm competitive. I want to win, but I also want to do it with integrity and style and grace and class and humility. That part right there, I want to do it with integrity. Shot or no shot, that is why they never entertained Jim Harbaugh. That's a shot. Maybe, I I just know they had zero interest in him. Like if Jim came out and said, I'm leaving Michigan and I'm available to anybody who wants to talk to me. I don't think they would have ever talked to him. I do not think that, just for people I've talked to, I do not believe he was a guy they had interest in. The disconnect from the Big Ten days, too, also was a factor. But I would say that no matter if you have a previous issue with Jim Harbaugh uh, and you're trying to win, uh, you have to do what's best for business. Your personal issues need to be set aside if, if it's for the greater good for the business. And that's not how they felt. They felt that Matt Eberflus was best for business. Yeah, I just did not take that as a shot at Jim Harbaugh. Now, if Poles had said that, when was it Potash who asked the question about Harbaugh? Yeah. Uh, after that, uh, he's the coach at Michigan. If he just said, and I want to win with class and dignity, that would be different. But he didn't do that. He did not do that. Mm-hmm. That was Kevin Warren to say, we want to do things right here. I did not take that as a shot at Jim Harbaugh. Well, I think that it says a lot for Kevin Warren when he talks about integrity, because that's what you were talking about as soon as you found out about Jim Harbaugh. He said, you know, you talked about integrity and saying that, like, I can't have a cheater on my sideline. Where's his integrity? Mm -hmm. So I think that falls along the same lines of Kevin Warren. So I'll say that's a shot, Shay. All right, let's go around the National Football League. Nick Foles sucks. He sucks. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I love the Green Bay Packers. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I want winners. He starts to come and then he pulls out. This is a really thickly built guy. I mean, what's the answer you're looking for on these things here? Time to go around the NFL right here on Captain J. Hood. And still to come, deal breakers at 835 and the great Tom Thayer. Color analyst for the Chicago Bears will give his first thoughts about the changes over at Hallis Hall. He'll join us at 9 o'clock right here on the home of the Bears ESPN 1000. Around the NFL with Shay Norling. Shay? 
I actually want to cheat a little bit. I want to start in college because there was news yesterday that the greatest college coach of all time and one of the greatest coaches in sports history, Nick Saban, retiring from Alabama. Well, let me just tell you, as a Georgia fan, I totally respect Nick Saban. I know that I'm supposed to be the guy that's like supposed to be happy and dancing around that Nick Saban is no longer with, with Alabama. You have to understand that Alabama had a standard under Nick Saban. All the championships that he won, that's where all the coaches wanted to be able to reach. They wanted to reach that plateau to be able to have that kind of stability within uh, a program. When we talk about great coaches, Nick Saban is the GOAT of college football. Not just getting past Bear Bryant, Cap. The idea that year in and year out, you have to continue to recruit and you have to continue to turn the roster over, especially in this era of the NIL, to try to be a champion. I think it is like turning water into wine, what he was able to do with that football team. Alabama was, was not good at the beginning, and they were, uh, didn't have an imagination offensively. But he took that team into the Final Four. That says a lot about Bill, uh, uh, Nick Saban as much as it is those championships he won. So he walks out because of a lot of coaches. They feel the same way. They're just tired of the NIL. They're tired of the rat race of trying to figure out who's going to be paid the most and he didn't want to deal with it anymore. But hats off to him. He deserves all the credit for everything he's done at Alabama. He goes down. I mean, okay, some people love Bear Bryant. Some love Newt Rockney. Nick Saban's the greatest college football coach of all time. That guy's amazing. Amazing. And I felt mellowed's the wrong word. He became kinder, more... Uh, entertaining and press car. Like, I think as he got towards the end, he just had fun with it, man. He did. But he also let you know, I'm the freaking boss. What I say goes. Period. And he's had an amazing run, and he will be missed. I'm curious to see which direction the University of Alabama goes. I completely respect him because of everything he's done. And again, I'm on the Georgia side of the rivalry, so I respect everything he did. Also, a shot to those, those uh, late bandwagon Alabama fans that are my age that couldn't tell you anything about the Mike Shula and Mike Price era. They couldn't tell you anything about the uh, Mike Dubose era cap. I love those guys. Those guys like, I'm a Bama fan. Yeah, how back? How far back you go? Uh, Saban? Yeah. Right. right. You, you, jump, you jumped on the bandwagon when you start seeing championships. Said, and there's a lot of those people uh, within my friendship in the media that couldn't uh, like I could tell you about the growing pains of Georgia because I've been a Georgia fan since I was since 1984. But for these guys that are jumping on at the last second, they couldn't tell you nothing about Mike Price and that nonsense and Franchione. I, I don't I, think you need to talk about Adam Abdallah like that. Not Abdallah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a young man. <laughs> I do remember I was doing the Northern Illinois games with Waddle. Yeah, Northern was really good back then. They got I don't know into the top ten or twelve. With Jordan Lynch, remember, as their quarterback? He's now the Mount Carmel coach. Yeah, I do. And they went down and beat Alabama's ass in Tuscaloosa. I remember. Mike Shula was the head coach down there. And I went, that thing's going to end real quick. I don't care how good Northern Illinois, you don't walk into Bryant-Denny Stadium. Isn't that what it's called? Yes. And beat them in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Yes. And boom, gone. How much is Nick Saban? Let's go. No, Abdallah knows who I'm talking about. It's not him. He's still a young man. I'm talking about guys my age. <laughs> they're, they're jumping in like, yeah. I'm a Bama fan from way back. Yeah? 
Yeah, tell me about the uh, tell me about the Gene Stallings era. Go ahead. Yeah, give me a few oh, minutes on that. Oh, oh, you're right. Hoodie, uh, before we move on from this, if I were in your shoes as a Georgia fan, I don't know that I'd be dancing around either because what is the fear level that Kirby Smart goes home? Well, it's funny you say that because I do. I was doing a text chain with uh, Abdallah about this. I said I was texting him doing a wellness check. So Abdallah, you good? And he's just like, yeah. And he said, well, what about Kirby? I said, what, what about him? He goes, you know, he's from Montgomery, Alabama. And I said, I'm hanging up on you. Even though it was a text, I'm hanging up. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Leave me alone. Hey, I got my two national championships. And by the way, if Kirby Smart decides this morning, you know what? I've done all I could at Georgia and I move on. I will take my hat off to Kirby Smart. Seriously. After all the waiting for a championship, I got two of them, Cap. I'm a, I'm a, happy, I'm a happy Georgia fan. Because that's a coveted job. Who would want that job? They're lining up for it now. Does uh, Dabo Swinney go home? He played at Alabama. Sure, he'll be on the list. Well, Kirby coached at Alabama. Yeah. And Dan Lanning's got connections. There's there's a lot of really good yeah, coaches suppose, that are going to be open last for that night job. That they said maybe Dan Lanning goes there, but they said Phil Knight is prepared to do whatever it takes financially to keep him, and why would you want to follow Saban and go into that league? It's also... It's kind of messy when you think about all the transfers that he just brought to Oregon and you'd have to take them to Alabama. Who knows? Who knows how that will all play out? But if I, Hoodie, my point is, if I were you, I'd be shaking in my boots a little bit this morning. I like that you take your hat off to him, though. No, I'm good. I, I'm good. I'm good. Because you know what? What can you do, right? Can I, I mean, you hold Kirby by the ankles like, please don't go. You yes. Know, I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> yes, I'd like that. I'd get arrested. <laughs> that'd be good. I think that'd be good content. Roofer Radio. Jonathan Hood's on a flight to Athens. He's got his arms wrapped around Kirby's legs. Don't go. Kirby's trying to sign the pen. You're behind him with a meat hammer. Bam! Hands broken. You can't do it. Don't leave leaving. me. <laughs> Please, Kirby, don't leave. Go dogs. Remember about the dogs dash champ chat? Don't do that, son. <laughs> I can't do that. Hoodie's <laughs> emptying it. out every printer and stealing every pen <laughs> in the state of Georgia and Alabama. You cannot sign this contract. He's going to sign it through DocuSign. <laughs> Kirby, don't you understand? This is our chance now. Saban's going with another natty. Come on and do it again, boy. I can't do that, man. You can't. You know what I'm saying? Man, I mean, it's a coveted job. It's the job. Mel Tucker was worked on in Alabama. Right. Bring him down. <laughs> That's enough. We move on now to <laughs> Mel. That's it. I don't think Bama would put up with his cell phone proclivities. No, probably not. They would not. <laughs> uh, another legend coach, arguably the greatest coach in the history of the National Football League, is moving on. After 24 seasons, the Patriots and Bill Belichick are expected to mutually part ways. Uh, we turn now to Shane Norling with more. Shane? Yes. That's what I thought. I'm happy. Like, I, I get why some Patriots fans would be sad about this, but the whole thing had just gotten sad. Even from an outsider's perspective, you're watching what was the greatest dynasty in the history of the sport become sad. Watching Belichick trade up to get a kicker, drafting a punter, doing all the extra special teams work to have the 28th ranked special teams. That offense, a disaster. The loyalty to past coordinators, disaster. So it just, it was time to move on. Yeah. Bill Belichick, gone from New England. I, that's why I wanted Shay to comment on it first because I knew 
that if he wasn't here, he'd be at a bar drunk someplace celebrating that Belichick is no longer with the Patriots. Now we're going back, everybody, to the Rod Russ, Dick McPherson era Correct. of the New England Patriots. Correct. That's yeah. fine. I'm yeah. just, I'm ready Maybe to bring embrace. Pete Carroll home. <laughs> he was there. I'm good. <laughs> I like Pete a lot. I'm good. Uh... <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm all right. No, I'm good. I don't need another 70-year-old. I'm ready to embrace the new. Like, this is, this is what I wish is sort of that the Bears would have done is, like, just embrace something new. I'm not afraid. Like, I know, Cap, your big thing is I want somebody who's got skins on the wall, who's done it at a proven level. I'm never afraid of the unknown. And I know it might not work for a while, but maybe you do find Sean McVay. Uh, where are the Patriots in the draft? Sixth? Third. The you, third in the draft. Where he and I disagree, Shay and I, is first take Shay is ready to fire people a year or two in. I am. I want stability. I just didn't think Eberflus was the right guy for the stability. I didn't like the hire the Which day is we fair. made it. But that's, I think, like we differ in whether it's the horse or the cart that comes first. Because I believe stability happens when you hire the good guy, right? Like, yeah. I don't think you have stability just because you're loyal to someone who stinks. I think but if you have been somebody the AD who's terrible. that would have fired Mike Krzyzewski after year four when they were struggling at Duke, he would never have gotten his fourth year with you if you were the AD. Gone. He ends up being the winningest coach in the history of the sport well, because they let him build something. Well, 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 Duke was on its ass, and they did want to get rid of him after two years. Yeah, I was going to say, in fairness, I believe, I'm like, I wasn't really alive, but there were conversations. Huh? Like, they, 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 that was a point of, people talked about it. And I think, like, if that happened now, if Krzyzewski got hired in 2024 at Duke and was a disaster for three seasons, yeah, he might get fired. Yeah, it's me. just a different world now. It works it faster. Doesn't mean that it's right. I'm not saying that it is, but that's the world we live Tom in. Tom Butters, the AD, said, I know I have the right coach, and I know it takes time to build. And then, boom, well, year five, they took off. I just want the audience to understand that Cap is speaking from his coach's heart. Right. And I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from, Cap, with that. But these ADs and these general managers and these owners just don't have the patience like they used to to try to build something. You right, know, which is, I think's sad. It is correct. Krzyzewski talked about it, like, through the first couple of years. Duke was nothing. Zero. Terrible. Somebody's like, you taking the Duke job? Why would you do that? It was dead on its ass. They did want him out after three years. They were protesting outside the building. Yeah. And they had success. Bill Foster was there, left, went to South Carolina for money. Yeah. Which he had told me before he passed. Big mistake. Should have stayed at Duke. And... When Krzyzewski, this kid from Army? Yeah, I know he's the right coach. Yeah. Right? Go back and look at their records. They were horrible. So, uh, so Shea celebrating today. No Bill Belichick. And uh, I would just say, it just seems like the the road is paved for Mike Vrabel. Makes sense to me. So, I just was looking up here and there is a tweet that is out from the New York Post. Gerard Mayo is the favorite to succeed Belichick. I don't like that idea. Why? I just I like fresh and new. I think that Vrabel could bring that something is new. Fresh and he's, new. He's already part of the Belichick he's regime. He's been there forever. That's he's been point. a linebackers coach for like five coach. seasons. There's jobs. That's honestly, Cap. This is where maybe I do agree with you because Gerard Mayo from linebackers coach to head coach. I think it's a little a little risky. Bringing Vrabel back, I like a lot. Okay. 
So you agree with Cap or disagree? I forgot now. I don't know, man. We are, think, we're I, all over the place. I, I, I said that Vrabel should return, and Mayo seems more like Belichick. That's what that was my comment. So, so I think that Vrabel should be the head coach with his own staff because you know that guy can flat out coach. I like the commodity that I know versus the one I do not. In We're that scenario, find out. Mayo's been groomed a little bit too much, I think, into the Belichick way. And I think with Vrabel, like I always think about that Titans Patriots game when Vrabel was beating Belichick at his own game with the false start and then the letting the clock run extra time before taking a timeout and Belichick smiling at him from across the sideline. Yes, so, Vrabel's the one. So I agree with you, Cap. Gerard Mayo. Okay. Also, just going back to the I would fire coaches after three seasons, says the guy who's firing the coach after two years. Dick Vermeil should have been on the stage yesterday, how much they talked about letting him have the success in St. Louis and not getting rid of him. Here's Cap wanting to get rid of Eberflus. You would have never let Dick Vermeil win a Super Bowl. Is that correct? No. Stunned silence for a moment there. You see that, Woody? No, I was reading the Ger- Gerard Mayo stuff. I, um, Hold the mail. Yeah. I think Mayo would be an excellent choice. So as would Vrabel. Did you hear what he said about what he just said there just moments ago? I tune him up. You would have fired <laughs> Dick Vermeil. You would have never let Dick Vermeil win a Super Bowl. I would have let him win the Super Bowl. 100%. But guess what? That's I like Kevin Warren very much. He needs to stop talking about the Rams. And the Vikings. He had a freaking Hall of Fame backup quarterback. He had Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Orlando Pace, Marshall Falk. You want me to keep going? Name me all the Hall of Famers on our roster. Damn. Here's Shay Norling. Shay? Jack Sanborn. Oh. Hall of Famer. Oh. Jack Sanborn. You're uh, unbelievable. The other big change in the coaching market yesterday. Uh, two, two meatballs cutting it up. Jack <laughs> wow. Sanborn, you're, you're unbelievable. unbelievable. That, that ought to be at, when he goes to the Hall of Fame, his Canton induction. I want Hood at the days with a bowl of meatballs in honor of like Joey G. That's what I want. Jack Sanborn, you're unbelievable. Oh, my God. It's the Jack Sanborn Show, live from the Gale Street Inn. Yay! <laughs> Jack Sanborn back after this. Look at that, everybody. Line up here to the left here for Jack Sanborn autographs. Are you George Bliss? Good, Jack. Good. <laughs> Unbelievable. Deal He's going to have a statue outside the new stadium. <laughs> Let, can we have, let's have some fun. If he was a White Sox. The Jack Sanborn. <laughs> If he was a White Sox, there definitely would be a statue. He'd already have one. Exactly. <laughs> statue outside his house. He'd be the highest paid player in franchise history. <laughs> Greatest moment of my life. Jackson, in Chicago, guy. Thanks, Jerry. Never give a picture of more than five-year contract. We paid day on day. See what happens? Yeah. That's right, Jerry. Wow. I don't want Hyvie Navarro. Why would I want Navarro? Is it too much money? Here's Albert Bell, five years, fifty-five million. Deal breakers, right around the corner on the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show.